Four Health Farms, episode number two. I'm joined by the good Dr. Robert Hagen, co-owner, proprietor. I, I always give you a different title every time, I think. <laughs> we should come up with a standardized title for you. What should I say? Not co-owner. Co-owner? Can we say co-owner? Co-owner means two. No? Oh, so partner. Partner. Yeah. Partner. A partner, yes. Of Four Health Farms. Today, we are going to talk about a big subject, but I think that everybody will enjoy um, what we're going to break down. I think it's at the essence of what makes an operation like Four Health Farms so different. When you talk about grass-fed, sprout-finished Wagyu beef, really, pretty quickly, the conversation is about fat. And I'm not so sure that there's ever been a topic in nutrition that is, I mean, it's confusing. It's pretty hard to understand. High density is good. Low density is bad. But then sometimes you want some of this and some of that and poly this, mono that. I don't know. It all gets over my head pretty quick. And I think it gets lost in the wash. And um, we're also kind of in a crossroads nutritionally in the country where a long time it was no fat. Now we're seeing that uh, maybe that's not exactly the case. So, but fat is at the heart of the matter when you talk about grass fed sprout finished beef. Would you agree with that? I would, you know, uh, like we talked about in our last episode, I, I think uh, the, when you talk about healthy beef, that's flavorful. You, you talk about the intersection of those being at fat, right? Fat is the the healthy part of it, and fat is the flavorful part of it. Um, and I think you have to break down uh, what that lipid profile uh, is in the in the beef uh, to truly understand why we do what we do. So let's start with a definition. Let's let's just kind of break down the the basics of fat. You can get in the weeds really quickly and get confused it's confusing it is it's mind-boggling and then if you do any type of reading on it holy smokes it it really goes way out there and and uh i think there's no consensus it seems like it seems like there's a couple of things that everybody agrees on um trans fats that's a biggie that we keep that we'll hear but there's Let's, let's break down the basics of fat for the listeners so that we can kind of understand where we're starting. Well, as you start to indicate, right, there, there are really four different types of fats, right? There's saturated fat, there's monounsaturated fat, there's polyunsaturated fat, and there's trans fat, right? So bad, very bad are the trans fats, right? The trans fats are, are plant-based, vegetable-based um, fats that um, that are made into oils in a pretty caustic process, right? Um, and then the, the the saturated, monounsaturated, polyunsaturated fats. Each one of those categories actually have have a have a good fat and a bad fat, right? And so that's where again gets confusing because you know well, you can't just say I I I don't want any saturated fats or I don't want any polyunsaturated fats, right? But saturated fats 
are, are actually quite high in 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 uh, grazing animals and 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 whole beef that's uh, grass fed, um, but it's also the the omega threes which are a polyunsaturated fat, right? And so, as we as we continue here, we'll we'll kind of dissect that, interrogate that a little bit more, right? So, but the fourth category you mentioned was trans fats, and the, and that to me, when you and I were talking about preparing for this podcast, I said, you know, I think the only thing that I read across the board that everybody agrees on is that trans fats are bad. And then the rest of it is there's a lot of debate that goes on and we are seeing a mega shift. I mean, this is a monumental shift in our nutrition education where fat is kind of coming back and people are starting to really talk about it. Like, Hey, I think we might've been wrong. Uh, this low fat diet, maybe just maybe, (laughs) and there's a lot more interesting, um, a lot of interesting points to that, but this low fat diet that kind of has been what has been, um, promoted since the fifties, roughly the problem is what did you put in place of that fat? And it's been sugar. Yeah. Carbs and sugar and grains. And And now we're pretty sure that's not good. <laughs> right, right. There's enough evidence out there uh, that it's been interrogated quite, uh, but it just hasn't made it to more mainstream media, right? We, we still, even, even myself understanding this, I still, you know, there's a little bit of this demonization of fat, right? You, like you, you can't shake it, right? But the more you dissect it and the more you understand, the more you understand that, you know, fat is good. Good fats are good. Bad fats are bad. Right. But what's what? That's the, the devil's in the details. <laughs> well, so, you know, a lot of us um, um, understand that like the omega threes. Let's talk about the polyunsaturated uh, fats. Right. And that's the uh, the main ones we talk about are the omega three and the omega six. Right. Omega three oils are high in fish. Right. We know they're they're high in uh, sardines and anchovies and mackerel and all those fatty uh, fish, fatty fish. Right. Cold water fish tends to 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 produce good levels of omega threes, which we know are very healthy for us. Now, you need some level of omega six. Right. But we don't need a preponderance of them. Right. The ratio is important. That's right. So that ratio, as you said earlier, um, the one to two is is kind of ideal, right? Or Westernized diet can be as high as ten to twelve to fifteen, right? One to one to fifteen, right? And that's that's just not good. That's that that ratio out of balance is caustic, right? And because um, omega sixes, let me touch on this. Omega sixes are some of the fats that are linked to inflammation and some of the more negative effects and so when the ratio is off you're kind of hitting that side certainly of it. yeah and it, it, it's kind of a dose dependent response too right it, it, some is good but high you're right i mean if you get that ratio out of out of whack you're going to have increased inflammation right and inflammation increases uh, insulin and inflammation you know um, will make a preponderance or a predispose you to heart disease i mean that that's at the core of of a lot of our de- disease process yeah i mean Inflammation is, that's a great point. And I think that that's part, inflammation gets, um, to the average person, inflammation is you're swelling in your ankle when you sprain it or, you know, you get a bruise. But there's a whole nother 
kind of microscopic portion of inflammation that's going on in our blood vessels and in our nerves and you being a peripheral nerve surgeon, this is, I mean, one of the things that you've taught me about when you work on diabetics and, um, you know, explaining to me how diabetes actually affects the nerve, it causes inflammation of the nerve. Yeah. It's part of the, one of the problems. Yeah. And so that this is more than just you rolled your ankle or you got an arthritic knee. This is inflammation on a full body microscopic cellular level. Well, and systemic, more, right? Systemic. Yeah. Right. So it, you twist your ankle to, like you said, you have injury in your ankle, you have swelling, it's focal inflammation, part of a healing process versus a negative thing, which is, is my whole body's inflamed. Um, and it's, it's, uh, predisposing me to numerous medical conditions. When we talk about fats and nutrition, inevitably the circle always kind of comes back to heart disease. Cause that seems to be every, you know, that's what everybody worries the most about is obviously fats linked to heart disease and heart attacks and all those kind of things. But heart disease is, is essentially is to talk about infl- inflammation because it's, inflammation of the vessels of the heart, that endothelial wall, the, the lining of the blood vessel that then sustains an injury. And what causes a heart attack is actually a clot trying to fix that injury to the vessel wall. Right. So, but the whole process started with inflammation. Yeah. It's an inflammatory uh, process, right? It's actually, and it's, it's a reasonable, good process. Inflammation is not necessarily, we need it. It helps heal us. Vocally or even kind of that on the same line as that dose dependent thing, right? Is that a little bit of it is good. You use it, use it focally where you need it. Uh, but when you're full blown systemically inflamed, um, that's a problem. And, and, one, and one of the most ideal fats, you know, like when somebody comes in and, and sees me and I know that they're inflamed, right? I know whether it's a dietary problem or something metabolically is like the first thing I do is, is put them on some, um, some kind of fish oil, some kind of uh, uh, omega-3 and increase their fats, right? Because uh, omega-3 is well known to help regulate inflammation. Right. So fats are, and again, it goes against everything over the last, whatever, 20, 30, 40, 50 years that's been laid down for us to think about like, well, what do you mean you're going to fix inflammation with fat? Right. Right. <laughs> like it's just upside down from what we're yeah. counterintuitive, what we, what we, what we've all been ingrained. And so omega threes being such a big thing, that is really kind of the key of, or one of the big advantages of grass-fed, sprout-finished, Wagyu beef, like from a place like 4Health Farms is that ratio, that ratio through science and through um, the process of how those animals are raised, that ratio is more perfect. It's as close as we can get currently, but it's definitely a lot significantly more helpful or healthy than what we see with traditional grain-fed beef. Right. I mean, grain-fed beef is... uh isolated alone it's probably somewhere between seven to eight so one to seven to eight um whereas traditional grass-fed beef is probably closer to that one to two right one to two one omega-3 to two omega-6s right and and what we're trying to do and we'll talk about this later is even push that down to kind of a one-to-one right um you know that's that's kind of the goal um that's the ideal world and 
but if you talk about healthy beef, right? I mean, we, we talk about just dense nutrition, right? Um, and we talk about the fats, right? The, you know, as we spoke earlier, you know, I've done a couple of posts recently on, on just the importance of all the, um, you know, the, the vitamins and the, and the, um, the minerals that are within, um, within all beef really, but particularly better within the grass, uh, grass fed beef, you know, magnesium. We talked a little bit about, uh, magnesium or, or, um, zinc, excuse me, zinc, zinc and selenium, both, um, are important to our current COVID nation, right? Uh, right now, because the, the, mag, uh, the zinc will block the replication of that virus once it's in the cell, the selenium actually binds to that spike. If everybody's seen that picture of the, of the coronavirus, right? And it's got the little triangles there that selenium, uh, will bind to that spike and, and really, uh, keep it from, from, penetrating the cell wall because that virus has to get inside the cell to use some of the things inside the cell to replicate right uh, because it's an mrna virus it's the type of virus that it is but um you know those those cofactors those minerals all all very very important right but then we quickly get back to talking about the fat right <laughs> so we've touched on types of fats benefit of grass-fed, sprout-finished Wagyu beef with its higher uh, omega-3s, uh, the better ratio between omega-3s and omega-6s. But let's talk about another special ability of fat, which is that fat, It we've evolved to love fat, or fat tastes good. Let's talk about why fat tastes so good, because... Let's just admit it. Fat is delicious. Right. I mean, cheeseburgers, they taste good. Fries taste good. But is it because of the fat or not? Well, that's the question for you, the physician sitting at this table. <laughs> well, uh, as we were talking about earlier, I mean, there's there's really a science to looking at, you know, at, at flavor and even a, even a sub-science to looking at, well, well, why does fat taste good, right? So you can, I mean, it has a flavor, right? And the flavor's good, right? It has a texture. The texture's really good, right? Yeah. It, it harbors um, nutrients. It, uh, you know, it, it contains um, fat-soluble vitamins and other minerals. And so it, it depending on what it's been what's it came from is consuming it it harbors different kinds of flavors based upon that right um and then it's it's a great energy source so we can hit on all those things but kind of go back to that point about you know the intersection of health and uh flavor lies within the fat so in preparation for today's discussion i was reading a lot more about fat than i've ever read and now that we are videoing this podcast beyond audio, the listeners at home will see that I am the picture of perfect health and I have figured out diet and probably I'll get a book deal today. I read an entire section on the evolution, our evolutionary draw to eating fat. And you already touched on it. It's incredibly calorically dense much more than carbohydrates and sugar. And so part of the reading I did was that caveman days, getting chased by the saber-toothed tiger. You need you, some energy. You need energy. 
Because if you don't have energy, then you're energy for the saber-toothed tiger. Right. And if you don't have modern farming, modern animal raising, feedlots, and all these things, food was, I don't want to say food was scarce, but it was definitely more scarce than it is in our modern society. And so you got to make it count. Whatever you eat has to has to really count. And the caloric denseness of fat, um, our bodies over time said, this is better. This this is important to you. Right. And there's an interesting link that I don't think we covered earlier, but um, when we talk about the Wagyu genetics, right, and we talk about that it has this intense intra, intra, I-N-T-R-A, intramuscular uh, fat, and and that was a that was a genetically um, kind of natural selection over time. Those animals used to be draft animals up in the mountains, right? And so, if that animal couldn't um, concentrate in good energy within the muscle, which is the most readily available type of fat, and not to mention that it's the it's the uh, the, the the more healthy dense fat in that muscle is the best energy source, right? So if it couldn't store that, it just wasn't going to make it, and it wasn't going to live. Maybe not to the to the ill of the uh, saber tooth tiger, but it wasn't going to it wasn't going to make it up on the mountain, and if it couldn't pull things, so that was that happened over time, and that was you know that's an interesting part of 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 that development and the wagyu story. The other interesting thing that fat does is fat takes a long time for us to process, which some people might say that sounds bad, but that's actually good. It sits in our, our intestines for a long time um, compared to other things that are burned and readily, readily usable. Fat takes a little bit to break down, and uh, there's that hormone process that takes place that gets released. So one of the biggest benefits of fat also is that you feel full longer. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's a, uh, that, um, the topic of whether you feel satiated, right? I mean, I'm glad you can say that word. <laughs> There's a couple versions of it. I, that's the only one I can get out satiated. And, and, you know, we, we talked about that earlier in the sense that, um, like I'm, uh, I could sit and eat, you know, three bags of chips, three Snickers and a, and a, and a box of Cheez-Its and never feel full. Right. But if I have a densely, you know, uh, nutritious meal with uh, what, lots of greens and a, and a grass-fed steak with lots of good, healthy fat in it, I actually feel full. And, and that, that feedback mechanism then actually works. And I really think it's part of the, it's the fat that, that, that does uh, healthy fat, the healthy. I think it's interesting because we, I feel like in the last five years in medicine, I don't know why I feel this, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but in medicine it's like, I feel like we're paying attention to hormones more than we've ever done. We're paying attention to the chemical side. I feel like for so long we studied how is this artery made and is how many layers of muscle are it are in it or what's in this nerve fiber. But now we're starting to think a lot more about all these chemicals that are in our body, whether it's natural chemicals in the form of hormones and um, all the growth factors and different things that are in there versus all the extra chemicals we get from outside sources, whether it's leaching from the ground or whatever, we're thinking more chemically. And so hormones are a really big deal. Hormones are what help keep us full or give us that feedback that says, hey, we're full. 
hormones are involved in insulin and as far as insulin's part of that that sugar breakdown process um and obviously a lot of people are familiar with insulin because of its role in diabetes but fats are also a key part of that because fats are what help make hormones they're building blocks of hormones right i mean and uh, they make hormones in in and our you know our cell membranes are made of fats um our brain is predominantly fat right so we, my wife's been saying that for years. <laughs> so we need them for building blocks. We need them, you know, it's that whole thing of, of, of right now, if you look at our food culture, uh, one of the, I think one of the most interesting parts of it is that you, so we've, we've been doing this low fat diet for, you know, since Keys 1950, right? And then we also, we also have been falsely uh, depleting our cholesterol, right? So everybody's on a statin, right? So... Not only are you depleting your fats, your healthy fats, you deplete your cholesterols, which you need to make uh, important um, um, uh, enzymes and proteins uh, for your for your body, right? Um, you need those, like for instance, testosterone. You need cholesterol to make testosterone. That's fairly important to half of our population, right? Um, and especially as we're aging. So as we're aging, if you've depleted your fat and you've depleted, you're on a statin, you've uh, artificially lowered your, um, uh, your cholesterol, it has profound health benefit, uh, health problems. How can you ask your body to produce something when it doesn't have the building blocks to produce it? Your tank is empty, right? And that's the whole, that's the whole, that's this. I mean, that's, um, how do we, how do we right the ship? How do we get the car out of the ditch and back on the road? eating uh, nutritionally, nu- nutritious, dense foods, right, and uh, which include healthy, having healthy fats. One of the downsides to this podcast is this podcast will be edited down to, uh, we'll get it probably to 40 minutes, but the audio content of this podcast, if we let the mics run, it's probably two hours that we've been sitting here and we've had a bunch of conversations before the mics are turned on and then some that go on after the mics are on. But one of the things that you and I were talking about kind of off mic was insulin, insulin resistance. And I'd like you to touch on that because I think it's really, it's super intriguing to me how we continually beat these systems up in our body. And then, and it, and it happens in so many different things. It's like, Hey, I'm asking you for, I'm asking you to respond to this, but eventually you're not responding. So I'm just going to, I'm, it's still working, but you don't respond anymore. And that's one of the things about insulin and how fat rolls into that. I want, we were talking about it. I'd like you to touch on that. Cause I think it's super interesting. I think, I think what you're speaking of is just that, that whole, that whole insulin resistance and even in, in, you know, so when you talk about type one diabetes and type two diabetes, right? Type one diabetes is I can't produce insulin. Type 2 diabetes is I produce it. I actually probably overproduce it because the receptor that it binds to is just not functioning well. Um, I've, I've annoyed it um, or it just functionally doesn't bind the insulin well. But in both scenarios, that glucose metabolism pathway is just not great, right? And by the way, back to your caveman you know, an- analogy, back then they weren't eating a whole lot of carbs, right? 
I mean, it, there weren't factories uh, refining sugars and, and putting them in everything, right? No bunny or, bread. Nope, no bunny bread. <laughs> no, you know, and, and, and so there was no monocultures or not mass production of corn or soybeans or wheat, right? It just didn't happen. But so why, why did, so when we went to the low fat, you know, um, diets, I think that demonized fats. And so over the last 50 years, when they talk about, uh, how do you, well, well, how do we treat these diabetes? Right. They've, they've shifted towards maintaining those energies by still, still giving carbohydrates, right. Uh, especially in the type one, but then managing it with the medications, right. Because if what what else are you going to do if you if you're if you're pulling away fat, what are you going to eat? You're going to eat strictly protein, and you're going to fill it with carbs, right? Which so that's the interesting point, and it always was counterintuitive to me. I you know there's there's really two two main ways to get energy, right? You can burn carbs, which is kind of the glucose metabolism pathway, or you can um, burn you can metabolize fat, right? Well, in somebody who has either type one or type two. Their, their, their glucose metabolism pathway is not the, not working so great. So it's like having an old rusty car sit there and you choose to drive it when there's a, there's a new car, very efficient electric car sitting right over there. That's the fat metabolism. Um, but you don't use it because somebody said fat, bad fats are bad. Right. But if you differentiate it into, no, there's good fats and bad fats then you're going to go use the bad or the good fats. Right. And so I look at that and go, you got to take that, you know, diabetic people and, and give them fats, right? Because that's their system that that works well, the good fats, because that's their system that works really well. And, and chasing it with, as as we talked about too, I think one of the other important concepts is, you know, so you use carbs and you chase with medications or you chase with insulin. We know like insulin is the bad guy right? At a certain level, right? So low levels, people who, who have a blip of insulin, uh, pull glucose out of their system and it goes right back down. God bless them. They've got great genes on that side. Um, a majority of us have some level of insulin resistance, right? And so, but whether you're, you're taking exogenous in the type one and, 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 and taking it, like you said, externally, or you're hyper-producing it in yourself, those high levels of insulins are bad. Because that's moving sugar and turning it into the visceral fat that we have. Right. But, but, but even just, I mean, it does a lot of bad things, right? And I mean, it provokes inflammation, you know? Back to inflammation. Yeah. Back, the number one driver of inflammation is probably, you know, higher levels of, of, of insulin. Explain to me, good doctor, the keto diet. That is, it's a, it's a thing. I mean, it's, it's a, a big thing. thing, right? It's a big thing, yeah. So keto is really focused on low carbs, extremely low carbs and something. But fat's a big part of that. So what is it about that keto movement? Like, how does that fit into the picture here when you talk about fat? Well, part of, um, so when you compare energy sources, right, you think of, you know, we've talked a little bit about the insulin and the glucose, that glucose metabolism pathway. But uh, keto is really about the fat metabolism pathway. It's about utilizing that system 
predominantly to get your energy, right? And so when you break down fats and metabolize fats, it actually produces ketones, right? And so ketones is the is an energy source, right? And the and as as we spoke earlier, again off, offline, we were, as we were talking about it, the um, like the brain, the brain uses ketones better than it uses glucose, right? The heart muscle likes ketones better than it likes uh, glucose or, or sugar, right? And think about it, right? Beforehand, before we had processed foods and and, and a number of, of refined grains and carbohydrates and sugars, right? That's really must be what they, they, they survived on, right? So, for instance, the, so the keto diet is is about how do you stay in in what we call ketosis, right? Or maybe you're intermittently in ketosis, right? And that's because if you if you as soon as you surpass a certain um, level and have glucose in your in your body, your 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 body de- deviates to to using it. So you need to keep your level of glucose down. And 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 primarily use the the fat as as your energy source, um, like for me, and and there's variations in that in that keto you can stay in ketosis all the time, right? Very low carb, stay in ketosis, or how a lot of people I think are are approaching this, and this is what I've been personally doing is that intermittent ketosis, right? And so you you eat. Uh, um, within an eight-hour period of the day, and you you stay in ketosis, not fast, right? Because you're still you'll use healthy fats to to keep burning energy and and making ketones because it's still great energy. And then during that eight hours, you may introduce some uh, some carbohydrates. And why that's important and relevant to us and Four Health Farms, right? Is because people who are 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 doing some level of ketosis or ketone keto diet understand the importance of having good grass-fed beef that was the next point i was going to ask was we we have essentially given every one of our listeners a degree in organic chemistry today or nutrition in fact we should leverage one of the local universities the people should get class credit for today's podcast (laughs) we've really done a a little dense a little dense at times yeah. yeah but I do. How does Four Health Farms fit into this? Because it really is. I, I think this is kind of the mission, or kind of one of the backbones of Four Health Farms is fat, specifically fat and its role in nutrition. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And and we didn't understand that at first. You know, everything's everything evolves, right? Um, but we knew fat was healthy. It could be healthy, and we knew. Fat had great flavor, so and you like beef, and we like beef, right? And personally, I, I I was at that point where I say, am I am I willing to be a vegetarian? And and actually, is it healthy for me to be a vegetarian? Right? I think most people who understand the importance of 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 uh, of fat would say that you know being a vegetarian is a little bit risky at times. Um, you know, I like that whole concept, and we'll, we'll circle back here in a second to talk about the, the direct line on on um, on grass-fed beef and for health and, and healthiness. But you know, think of the concept of a a thousand acres of pasture and animals grazing upon it, eating down the the pasture. You know. 
putting manure down that that helps refertilize and building building topsoil again right versus that same thousand acres being tilled up every year right um, using for some level of monoculture uh, maybe it's rotated but you're you're always extracting you're always putting out versus that 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 thousand acres which is being grazed by animals is putting carbon back in the ground right building topsoil um, has has you know a multitude of of different plants growing on it uh, and types of grasses right so I, I think that's an important part of the part of the overall concept of of kind of why do we support and why is it important to eat beef in relative to our to our planet right so circle back around and then get into the nuts and bolts of like what about our program right and why 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 wagyu why grass fed why sprouts right and it's like anything else it's a it's a it's a science equation right you're trying to get to the point of of making something that's densely nutritious and enjoyable right so you bring in Wagyu genetics because they, they, they intensify that intramuscular fat, which is the healthiest, most readily a source of, of energy that, you know, that any animal or mammal can have in fat inside the muscle. And by the way, it's flavorful, right? And they tend to intensify it. So, you know, using those Wagyu genetics, then, then putting on a base program of, of, of grass, which is what they are meant to eat. They're ruminants, right? They eat grass. And then, uh, then, then last is, um, the sprouts component, right? And we've developed a, a hydroponic sprouts program that, you know, um, that, that helps to intensify their, uh, their nutrition, right? So we go back and think about all the nutrition within that. And you say, you are what you're eating is eating. Right. So how do we how do we magnify that? Not over massage it, right? Not Every overdo you it. Say that I feel really guilty. Say what? You are what you're eating's eating. Because I've done a quick little dietary review in my head for just today and I'm like, "Oh boy, I'm in trouble." No, no, but but, but think well that's it quickly gets back to the grain discussion, right? So, you know, here we are um, in the concentrated feed lots, you 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 feed the um, you feed the you intensely feed these cow uh, these cows grain right to rapidly get their weight up, um, but but at the end of the day you you you've you've kind of overmassaged the system those those ruminants you're putting a lot of grain in it drops the drops the pH and the and the and the bacteria translocates. They, they have to put them on antibiotics, right? There's this 40-day window, right, that you can have them off antibiotics, but then they have to slaughter, right? So you, they say they, they take them off for 40 days, and um, but up to that point, they're, they're given a bunch of antibiotics. There's a statistic out there that says, you know, in the United States, we use about 24 million pounds of antibiotics, right? You know how much, you know how much is used for the animals? 19, 19 million of it. Right. So 24 million. And that includes, you're saying that number includes patients and yeah. you know, humans and just yeah. the normal yeah. things we right. use antibiotics for. Right. And they have to use them because again, that when you change the pH in that, in that, that 
lumen or that you know the rumen and um and you break down you get that it's really having like a leaky gut like we talk about in our own microbiome <clears throat> if you get the leaky gut the bacteria translocates it gets into the bloodstream where does it go first it goes to the liver right i mean the they get they get fatty liver they get um they get um uh, toxemia and that's why they have to so they're really kind of on the borderline they're in they're really an inflammatory mess when right about time they're going to be harvested inflammation once right. again we're back so, to inflammation yeah so if we're we're eating what is inflamed so that's you know that's kind of part of what you go back and and say how do we maximize what they're supposed to eat and and take away the the over massage pathway of the intense grain and there's enough in, information out there i think we have to at least acknowledge that you know, we're, we're not out here trying to take over the world and make, make um, you know, make grain-fed beef obsolete. We're just here saying there's enough logical information that we're going to try to produce something that, again, is wonderfully healthy and wonderfully flavorful. Well, in some ways, it's kind of like the electric vehicles compared to gas vehicles. Gas vehicles are here, but if you can... Get an electric vehicle that can have the torque and can have the power, have the range, have everything you need, can seat all the people you need, and it costs less and it's better for the environment. It almost sometimes becomes the why not use that option compared to, say, a gasoline vehicle, which might have detrimental, does have detrimental effects on the environment and, and other side effects of using fossil fuels. So in some ways, it's kind of that. If we can produce a better, what I hear you saying is, Hey, if we can produce a better version of beef that is healthier for you, that is um, overall better, but still checks the boxes at the very basic level. It tastes good. It right. smells good. Right. And then, oh, by the way, it's better for you. At some point, it becomes a, well, why not? Like, and maybe this is the beginning of the evolution where eventually someday we wake up and we go, I can't believe we ever eat, ate grain-fed beef or we did grain fed anything we look back right everything evolves like this this project evolves right but but think about think about the impact that we just talked about that low-fat diet that started in you know late 1950s early 1960s based upon the hypothesis of really pretty much one individual right that that he was he was able he was charismatic enough he was he was forceful enough he was you know, edgy enough to manipulate maybe his data a little bit, you know, to, towards his hypothesis. That, and that, right, a smidge, smidge. That had a profound effect that is just now starting to have reversal based on these kinds of discussions, right? Um, so it, it, some things change fast, some things change. Education's the key, talking about it, yeah. making people aware making people aware of the, the fine work that you're doing at Four Health Farms. I, you know, I mean, even in just a few short months of getting, becoming more aware of Four Health Farms and, and what your mission is, it's, it's changed the way that we're looking at stuff for my family. I have a family of young kids, and uh, we're trying to incorporate some of these things. And I'm, I think everybody, to some degree, is trying to get better. I think the only fault maybe in the nutrition world is I think we've spent a lot of time looking for a silver bullet that doesn't exist, you know? Right. It's not a, not a bullet. It's a, 
symphony, right? Right. I mean, when, when you, you know, but, but what drives that is everybody's looking to capitalize on a great invention, right? Um, versus let's take the sum of the parts, let's pack the snowball and let's not over massage the process. And usually then you'll get to a healthy point. Right. And, and part of it is for, at least for me, and I hope it is for you as well, each, each kind of link along the pathway, um, I'm more inspired, uh, to tackle issues on my own health. Right. And I'm even just like when we, when we take a, a, you know, a pound of that, you know, for health ground beef, I think twice about what I put with it. I know. I personally know and understand how much work and how much effort goes into not cheating the process. And by golly, I better put something else healthy with it. I better put some good leafy greens with it. I better, you know, make it a healthy meal, not only just for myself, but in, in honor of, of, of how much work it took to get there. Now, asking for a friend, when you hear that someone made Let's just say hamburgers with your four health farms, wagyu. I love I love saying the whole thing. <laughs> Grass fed, sprout finished beef, and you hear that one of their ten year olds smothered it in mayonnaise and ketchup. Do you take offense to that? Asking for a friend. <laughs> it's a transition, right? Okay. Uh, right. Um, I like I love mayo. Right. Mayo's mayo's low carb, high fat. You know, but is it organic? Is it you know, is it made without preservatives, that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm still working on trying to find that in a mayo and a ketchup. It was avocado mayo. <laughs> Asking for a friend. But, well, but, but it's part of, you know, I, I liken it to, you know, people's, you know, pathway for, for their faith or religion, right? We're, we're all at a different point on it, right? Um, just as long as you're on the, on the, on the pathway, right? And it different people are different parts of their life and different influences. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, um, we can't stop the clock, right? We all have a clock and we can't stop it. Um, we'd like to extend it. Father time is undefeated. Right, right. right. They can't stop the clock. Um, and, and changing your, um, changing your longevity, right? So how do, how do, how do what we eat, right? Uh, I, and I actually, I believe this. I think what we eat every day has the single biggest impact on our longevity, right? And so remember we talked about like, you know, let's, let's make one of these uh, topics like, uh, let's stop putting bad shit in our body, right? Uh, Seems like my like, kind of topic. Right? right? And so then they talk about your, your lifeline. You want it to be like a rectangle, right? So if you have this, you have it that it, it peaks here and then it just kind of slowly meanders down and gets um, um, down versus a, a rectangle where you're, you have great quality of life all the way across. And then all of a sudden one day it just drops and you're just, you're done. Right. That's ideal. And I think the single biggest impact on that lifeline is what we put in our mouth every day or don't put in there. <laughs> and, and I struggle every day. And so I just figure, you know, my real struggles are common to 75% of our population. I think the, the overreaching trend is this, this stuff, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And so if we're moving even slowly in the right direction, every little bit, we just chip away at it. Well, the mission at four health farms is to produce these healthy grass fed sprout 
finished Wagyu beef that hits the fat button, hits the flavor button. Part of the symphony. Part of the symphony of your health. Well, I think we have covered fat and then some. What do you think, Doc? I think so. I like it. I appreciate your help. We'd like to thank everybody for joining us for episode number two of Four Health Farms. Eat well, live well. Until next time, this is Jeff Todd and Rob Hagan. Cheers, Jeff. Thanks. Thanks, Doctor.